This is The UU Perspective with your host, Sharon Merrill. This is episode number 24 of the UU Perspective podcast, where you can hear weekly interviews from Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists that are changing the world. Whether you're already a member or a seeker exploring the faith, there is something here for everyone. So sit back and relax and enjoy the conversations you're about to hear. My guest today is Janet Mason, and she is an author, and she is a blogger for the Huffington Post, and also her commentary airs on This Way Out, the Los Angeles-based international LGBT news syndicate, and she is also a lay minister at the Unitarian Universalist Church of the Restoration in Philadelphia. Since becoming a member of the UUCR, she has incorporated pieces of fiction into her sermons, including a piece inspired by the Hebrew Bible called The Serpent, and an excerpt from her recently completed book, Art, a novel of revolution, love, and marriage. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the book, Art, and also about tea leaves. So let's get to it. And here is Janet. All right, everyone. So welcome, Janet. And I have already told everybody a little bit about you. And I'd like you to take a moment and give us a little bit inf- information about yourself and your involvement in the UU community. Well, um, I, I actually just joined uh, the Ontario Universalist Church, one of them, in uh, Philadelphia last year. And I was raised secular. Um, but I think being a member of the LGBT community, um, I was one of the people that always avoided religion, even though I dabbled in many different things. And I've always lived in a very diverse community. And that was important to me that, that the community at, at restoration is very diverse, racially and also in terms of uh, sexual orientation and also in terms of people's background and religions. So really, I, I came to learn about religion. And I, I think it's, you know, it's a great community. And, and, um, and the thing I brought back most from it was that it is a microcosm of the world. And we have to learn kind of to be, to live in the world together. We have to be a kind of universalist, you know, viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Also, you as a newbie, how you said you grew up secular and what was the background? What was it like uh, during your life, you know, before being a UU? Well, I dabbled in many, many different things, mostly Eastern meditation. And I can remember going to uh, a, a job, a full-time job I had a few years ago on the train and doing Buddhist chanting in my head on the way. I had earphones, <laughs> but it really was to keep me together. And that it was a high-stress job, so I did Buddhist chanting on the way to work to deal with difficult personalities. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and so I got to the I got laid off eventually. I went through a personal crisis, and and I I was going to yoga at that church. An old friend is a music director, and she was teaching yoga. My partner and I were going, and um, and then she said, "Why don't you come to church?" And actually, my partner is a drummer. And she was drumming with the congregation. So I started to go just as her partner, but I started liking it. Mm-hmm. What was the appeal, do you think? 
I think the appeal was being in community, but I also experienced a kind of spiritual opening where I was sitting in the pew and I could, I went to church for one year when I was a kid and I could feel the energy around me. I, in my mind, although I'm not really, I mean, I'm not religious in the sense of, you know, having been raised secular. In my mind, I could hear the Lord's Prayer all around me, even though people weren't saying it to me. But it was the one memory of prayer I had from my childhood. Oh, okay. And so there was a kind of spiritual awakening. And um, I was responding to the things ministers were saying. Um, and, and also, I really liked the other lay leaders. And so it wasn't my idea to become a lay leader. I got recruited. The minister, Kathy Ellis, had read my book, Tea Leaves, and Memoir of Mothers and Daughters that came out from Bella Books in 2012. And uh, and one of the uh, lay leaders who has been a member of the church, Annabelle Grota, she has been there for many, many years and has been a leader for many years. And she asked me, and she's kind of a, uh, she's about maybe 10 years older than me, and she's kind of a spiritual aunt to me. And so I was actually very flattered. I had been thinking that it might be a good fit for me, but they got they got to me before I got to them. <laughs> <laughs> and so how has that had an effect on you being a lay leader? Well, I've been learning more about Unitarian Universalism as I go along because I also like talk about the principles and what they mean and what they mean to what I'm, I'm talking about. So I, I feel like I'm educating myself along the way. And as far as some of the writings, now you write also for the Huffington Post, correct? Mm-hmm. And what's your newest novel that's out? It's called Art, a Novel of Revolution, Love, and Marriage. And what inspired that? I, I was working on a, on a novel based on my adolescence for many years, and this one character was the strongest. And I took her experience, and I wrote a novel about her childhood and her adolescence. I came from a kind of rough and tumble, working class background, and I and and when I got to the UU Church, they were doing a lot of work on social justice and incarceration. And probably, as as you know, and many readers know, the incarceration rate in this country is is really astronomically high. I don't have the stats with me, but it's really really high. And I had kind of left my background behind me. I'm the, I'm the first in my family to go to college. And and I just left it behind me. I also coming out, coming from a working class family. Unfortunately, I still have my father. He's 96. So I go back to see him every week. And I talk to him every day. But I kind of left the whole landscape behind me in many ways. So, so the character Art, which is short for Artemis, is based on a real person that eventually went to jail. And I found myself thinking as I'm driving back and forth to Levittown, I was thinking, like, what if, what if she got into one of these programs, which I have been in the jails in previous jobs, and um, I was thinking, what if, what if she got out of jail and made a life for herself and eventually reconnected with her, her girlfriend from her youth and married her? And all this was going on in my head and was writing the book and, and the gay marriage or the marriage equality movement was moving ahead um, in the past year or so. It all came together this this past summer as I was frantically rewriting it, revising it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And the other book, The Tea Leaves? 
how has that been received by people? Oh, oh, that was received very well. It came out in 2012, and it's from Bella Books, which is one of the larger small presses. And um, it was reviewed internationally. Um, I did interviews internationally, and and it's a book about about my t- me taking care of my mother when she was dying of uh, metastatic cancer. And also, she was a great storyteller, and she told really wonderful stories about my about her mother, my grandmother, working in the textile mills in Philadelphia. And so, it's a lot of labor history and fairy tales, and family stories woven woven into the tapestry of the background. Oh, also has a lot about my life with my partner in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. So I saw Philadelphia history. And actually, actually, the the, uh, Philadelphia Library has five copies. And last year, they had ordered five copies, and I think at least two were stolen. So it's it's a very good sign for a writer. It's a a good omen to have your book stolen. Okay. Oh, boy. Well, can you share one of the most kind of meaningful stories from your mother? Sure, sure. Um, let's see. Well, it's hard to pick out just one, but in one part of the book, she talks about going to England, and it was her one trip abroad in her life, and um, and she talked about going to Bradford, which was, I think was Bradford. It was a town where my grandmother always said her ancestors were from. And Bradford is an industrial part of England, and our ancestors probably were from Bradford because at one day in the Victorian heyday, it was a city of textile mills. And when my mother got there, you know, the industrial era had passed, and it was basically it didn't have a lot going for it. And she actually refused to get off the bus. She sat in the terminal and waited for the next stop. <laughs> but I think it was a lot. Of, my grandmother had grandiose notions about royalty and about the past. And as an, an, I don't think this is in the book, but a, a British friend of mine said that almost almost all Americans are related to royalty if they're from Britain because royalty had relations with everybody, including goats. <laughs> <laughs> so when people think they're related to royalty and they have British backgrounds, they're usually correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and so do you think, I mean, I, I mean, this is a broad question, but do you think that now becoming a UU, that that influences your writing at all? Oh, it definitely influences my writing. Coming from a secular background, and my mother was a Bible-burning atheist, but on her deathbed, she was putting one of the Psalms, I think the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd to me. So she had a mixed uh, relationship herself with religion. But I think coming from a secular background and then becoming coming out in my early 20s and being part of the LGBT community, which kind of understandably so spurs religion because of this negative um, context for gay and lesbian people. I, I think coming back to religion and being in a situation where I might be sitting in a pew with somebody from a Jewish background, somebody with an atheist perspective, or somebody from a Christian background, I think that the diversity, like having having to understand the person next to me and know their spiritual journey and not be judgmental, I think that really, really helped my writing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Great. And what would you say, since being a UU, what's been the biggest challenge you've had? 
I really, I haven't had a lot of challenges. I, I think with this particular church, I have gone there over the years, not to the services, but to a coffee house they had uh, called the Folk Factory. And in many ways, I found a religion that kind of fit my worldview of honoring diversity, you know, honoring the first principle, I think is the principle of, um, I don't know exactly, but honoring each person. And social justice certainly is a big component of my life in the past. And it's also a big component of the church where I go. Okay. What social justice events or things have you been involved in? Well, we're very involved in uh, Black Lives Matter, and there's a visual every Thursday night. Um, And also, I was part of Beloved Conversations, which is a conversation about race. And that was very interesting. But also, there was a t-shirt project we did with a local group. And I don't know the exact name of it, but it had t-shirts from the mostly black men, young black men, well, under 50, who were killed in Philadelphia by the police or who were killed in gang warfares and so forth. Um, and, and I have a background in doing media, so I've been taking pictures and sending sending pictures and captions and small articles to the local papers. Um, and also we have a very strong Jazz Vespers series, and that's something that my partner and I both really love. We love jazz, and also I've been doing media around that, so people know that the church is a place to go for other things than they would think of a church as being for. Wow. Yeah. So uh, jazz yeah. vespers, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Philadelphia has a real history of, of jazz musicians living here. And, um, and we have some wonderful, wonderful people that come once a month to the vespers. Okay. Oh, great. Who do you think through your life has inspired you? There have been so many people. It's, it's really hard to pinpoint, like, even 10. Um, but um, I think that inspiration can come from many places. Like, I always ask my students, I teach part-time, and I ask my students who their favorite author is and why, or favorite authors. And there are so many great writers. I think Simone de Bivira I've been really influenced by. Uh, in Philadelphia, I've had the privilege of meeting Sonia Sanchez and reading her work several, several, I met her several times. Toni Morrison, I think, would be the great American novelist. So most of, most of my influences have been literary. Okay. Are you a member of Anacrusis Women's Chorus? Oh, uh, no, but actually the oh. musical director, Jane Holting, who actually led me to the church. She's an old friend of ours, but also through yoga and then through asking my partner, Barbara, to do the drumming for the uh, congregation. She is a former director of Van Cruises. So it is a small world. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> and But you had one of your poetry pieces was used with them? Oh, yeah. Years ago, um, I had a piece called Boobs Away. <laughs> and it was a feminist rant about, um, I, I had met a lot of people with breast cancer, and it was a, a rant about how women are objectified and, kind of a response to that from the point of view from a woman's uh, a woman's breasts <laughs> and a, and a friend of mine actually clarity haynes is artist and a visual artist and she she did the backdrop she was doing breast portraits what are called breast portraits and she was going around to different women's festivals and and writing down women's stories and doing their portraits and she did a backdrop for a broadside that i had done 
I had printed. And then I did the poem on top of that. Oh, wow. And then Jane had me do it, had me do the poem with a choir. And it corresponded, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that it had anything to do with it, but it corresponded with, with her leaving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the venue, the last venue in which I read the poem with a choir was an Episcopal, uh, a, a large Episcopal church in West Philadelphia. So it's interesting that has a religious background yeah. <laughs> of sorts. Yeah. Was was there a particular song sung behind it, or were there uh, was there music written with the poem? Oh, there was music written with the poem, and there was some low singing. Oh, okay, all right. And do you have a favorite quote you would like to share with us? Yeah, my favorite quote actually is from Audre Lorde, the poet, and she has a quote: "Poetry is not a luxury." And um, I'm doing the poetry sermon coming up. The woman who had done the ser- sermon for many, many years um, is in her 80s, and she just wanted to read poetry this year. So she asked me to, to take over the uh, that service for her. And I'm doing it with an old friend who actually led me to the church also. Um, and I got to thinking about poetry, and uh, I read the Bible last year, which influenced one of the novels I wrote. And it was an interesting experience, but as I said to a friend of mine in the congregation, I said, it's not a place I would necessarily go to for spiritual guidance. (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, well, no, of course not. You go to a Mary Oliver poem or or somebody. (laughs) So I think that, quote, poetry is not a luxury, um, really means a lot to me and to other people, that poetry is an essential part of who we are. Mm -hmm. We take that breath and... We, we notice what's around us, mm-hmm. and we listen to the poetry in all things, including in nature, including other people. Uh-huh. So what's your favorite type of writing to do? Well, right now I'm, I'm revising fiction. So I think my favorite type of writing is fiction. However, I do a lot of different t- – I get involved in imaginary worlds, and it's really amazing to me. And also, like this novel, I, I just completed art – a novel of revolution, love, and marriage. Um, it re- made me think about my whole background differently. I started thinking about, wow, like art, you know, it's all fiction, but but this girlhood person who art was based on could have gotten out of jail and done, you know, married her girlfriend and had a real, and her girlfriend who kind of derailed into drugs on the trailer and had a baby. They could have raised a, da- a daughter together. And then got married and gone on a motorcycle to California. <laughs> so I gave everything a happy ending through fiction. And that was, that was my favorite. That is one of one major, time-wise, a major favorite uh, way of expressing myself. However, I do lots of different types of writing. And I think writing essays and also doing the lay ministry um, part at, U- at UUCR is really is really informing informing myself. I I learn things through writing, and that's why I do it. You do a lot. You teach also writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's it at that you're teaching? I teach at different different places. I'm com- uh, completely adjunct, but uh, Temple University, Center City, and a library in Montgomery County, and a local writing school, the uh, Mount Airy Learn Tree. I teach there, and I have I have different students. One of my favorite student bodies is retirees, and I I, I um, talk about writing memoirs, about writing their stories, and how how that's important to them. 
And that corresponds with the first principle, the first UU principle, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. What's the biggest tip you could give to a writer as they're beginning the journey in it? I think taking yourself seriously is really important. I recently had a woman come to the class, and she was she was well past retirement, and she said she said of herself, "I'd like to be a writer, but wouldn't everybody like like everybody else? I'd like to be a writer." I said, "Oh, okay, stop right there." <laughs> <laughs> we have to take ourselves seriously. We have one life, and we have inherent worth and dignity. And if you don't take yourself seriously as a writer, you're not going to do it. So really, take the time every day. Put yourself on a schedule. That that's realistic for you um, and sit down and do the writing. And that, and that is how to get started. Wonderful. And now one last question that I like to ask everyone, and it is how is Unitarian Universalism as a religious denomination uniquely positioned to serve and impact society? Well, as I mentioned before, the uh, diversity, which I've experienced the religious diversity and, and in many congregations, the racial diversity, and ethnic diversity is really how the world operates. And I think that if we learned, if we sit next to people who are really different from us, but we respect their humanity um, and then we learn from each other, I think if we incorporate these values into the larger world, then we'll have a different world. All right, great. Well, thank you, Janet. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your life with everyone. And um, good best wishes to your writings for the future. And where can we, how can we get a hold of your books? Um, my books are available um, online and in bookstores. And my, my memoir, was, that was the last book I had published, is called Tea Leaves and Memoir of Mothers and Daughters. And that's from Bella Books, and it was published in 2012. And, and the uh, novels I'm working on are still in revision process. Okay. And you, do you have a website? I have a website, and it's, my author's site is it's WordPress, Janet Mason, HTTPS, slash, slash, Tealies and Memoir. Dot wordpress.com. Okay, great. And we'll have all of those in the show notes for people to get connected. And I saw, what's the amusejanetmason.com? Oh, that's, uh, I use that less and less than the uh, uh, WordPress blog. However, um, that's a, just a showcase and I have a feature pulled every couple months. It's a it's kind of online magazine of, of different creative writings. All right, great. Well, thank you so much, Janet. Okay, thank you, Sharon. It was a pleasure being on the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And be sure to check out uuperspective.com on our website. You'll find the show notes to all the episodes, and you will find links to the books that Janet referred to. And also, if you take a moment to leave a voicemail, we have what's called Speak Pipe. You'll see it um, float inside of the right-hand side of your screen when you are on the website. And leave a message. Uh, let me know who you like to hear in the future, any questions you have. And leave us your favorite episode that you've heard so far. I can give you a clue of who's been downloaded the most, of course, and we can tell you that Meg Riley seems to be very popular from the Church of the Larger Fellowship, so go Meg. 
And so anyways, just you know, leave us a message, email, any way you want to get a hold of me and let me know what you think. All right, until next time, have a great week. Bye. Bye.